Hey, it's John Williams. If your home struggled to stay warm this winter, then you know it's going to be hot this summer. Maybe it's those old leaky windows and doors. Call Next Door and Window, the company we hired. Right now, you'll get buy one, get one 30% off, plus 18 months of interest-free financing. So call 1-800-NEXT-DOOR right now. That's 1-800-NEXT-DOOR or go to 1-800-NEXTDOOR.COM. This episode of the Hogan Johns podcast is brought to you by the American Lung Association Fight for Air Climb presented by United Healthcare. We're doing it and we want you to join us on our team. It's happening Sunday, March 8th at the Presidential Towers in Chicago. The teams from WGN Radio and WGN TV are inviting you to be a part of the biggest stair climb in Chicago. Every year, the team from WGN TV joins forces with the team from WGN Radio to do this. And this year, we're creating our own Hogan Johns team within the WGN Radio team so you can join us. Johns and I will both be doing the climb. Johns is getting in shape. He's up to like five stairs in a row you can do, right? <laughs> I spent 20 minutes on the Stairmaster the other day, my friend. That nice. basketball you're doing is not going to help. You know what? I did actually get on one of those things for the first time in my life the other day. I was it going burns. Eight, did, you, did you feel the burn? Yeah, I was doing 80 stairs per minute. I thought it was pretty good pace for starting. I don't know what you're supposed to do, though, to be honest. We'll figure it out. All I do know is that there's 2,340 steps in the in this uh, in the presidential towers that we need to conquer, and we will be doing it. You can sign up to do it with us. Here's what you need to do: go to the WGN Radio events page at wgnradio.com/events. There you'll see the fight for air climb listed. You click on it, find the button to register, and you'll automatically be part of our team. Then you start training. And why do we do this? Because the fight for clean air and healthy lungs belongs to all of us. You and your team can climb one, two, three, or all four towers, 2,340 steps. The American Lung Association fight for air climb at Presidential Towers. Hogan Johns. The ultimate goal is to win the Super Bowl. That's on us. You know, we we made this. That's what we're striving for, perfection. So, guys, uh, it's a disappointing season. You either win it or you lose it. This will be the final play of the game. Very frustrating. Very frustrating given the expectations that we had. I think that everyone had, our fans had. Snap, hold, kick is wide left. So to go 8-8 eight and eight after making the playoffs the year before, um, it was unacceptable. I'm hopeful that uh, we'll straighten it out and the guys will return to the level of play that they had in 18. WGN Radio presents Hogan John. I think you heard it from Ryan and Matt. Um, I have all the confidence in the world in both of them. They're the reason that we had a 12-4 and four year in 2018, and we regressed in a whole lot of areas. Trubisky to the end zone, and it's going to be picked off. It's Adrian Amos who comes back to haunt his old team. WGN Radio's very own Adam Hogue, and from The Athletic, Adam John. I think we we should be able to turn it around next year. I mean, we were 12 and 4 just a year ago. We had the coach of the year, the executive of the year. They haven't lost their abilities, and we haven't lost the talent level. We just got to be able to maximize it better this coming season. Here they are, the Adams, Hogan John, Hogan and John, Hogan and John, Hogan John, Hogan and John, Hogan Johns, Hogan Johns. 
believe that makes us Hogan Johns. <laughs> How many was that? Eight, nine, ten? <laughs> That's a lot of Hogan, Hogan Johns. Johns. Coming your Love way. Love it, Ernie. From Ernie. Welcome in. Uh, it's another uh, January edition of Hogan Johns. Uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, we're there for you. And we appreciate you listening. Uh, and it's another January episode with some news that we've seemingly keeps coming in these days and uh, works out here uh, to talk about today. So we will uh, get to that here momentarily. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. You can read us at WGNRadio.com slash Bears. I got a new piece up today saying goodbye to Bourbonnet, which we also need to talk about. I believe that came in after our podcast on Tuesday, correct, Johns? I believe it did. Oh. So we got we got to talk about that too. I, I, I'm emotionally torn, Adam. I I really am. Look, I know you seem a little broken up about it. Yeah, yeah. Is that so wrong? Is it, like there's something nostalgic about being at a college for a training camp. And look, some of this is selfish. I had a great time hanging out with the other writers. I really enjoy waking up in the morning and going grabbing a coffee at Starbucks and driving to practice. Uh, those are my selfish concerns. But I, I think I speak for a lot of fans when I say that it was a tradition for many of them to go down 57, to come up 57, whatever, and to be there with their family, to be there with their friends, and to really I- enjoy being – like it was so intimate. You were steps away from your favorite players. Mitch Trubisky would sign autographs for like an hour after practice. You're just not going to get the same things up at Hallis Hall. And you got amazing moments like this. Josh, who's the best um, meat smoker of your offensive line? Um, what do you mean by meat smoker? With giggles from Patrick Finley. Yes, um, that was in the, the, the interview tent. Oh, gosh, we've seen so many changes, even from like a media access perspective down there you know the days of eating in the cafeteria having breakfast with phil emery walking with players back to the dorm rooms just different got different changed uh where, where's our friend patrick finley he's not in bourbon eh? um well we'll get to all that i have similar i have similar sentiments as you do john's as we say goodbye to bourbon and that's what I wrote about on WGNRadio.com slash Bears. John's stuff is up at The Athletic, and he had a conversation with uh, Kevin Fishbane, the Fishman, written out there that you can read uh, sort of uh, retelling similar stories. I think we, we both talked about some stories, and we'll get to some of those here in this podcast as well. And Joe Romano's in the house. What's up, Joe? Yo, yo, back in business, baby. See, I got this friend named Joey Jojo... <laughs> Junior Shabadoo? That's the worst name I ever heard. Hey, Joey Jojo! All right, uh, John, do you want to start with Bourbon A or you want to start with uh, the coaching news? Okay, we'll be sentimental at the end of the episode. Let's let's get with Flip. Okay, we'll we'll get down to some business here. We'll get with Flip. A little bit of a surprising move yesterday as uh, John DiFilippo, who... Interviewed for the Bears' head coaching job two years ago when Matt Nagy got it, uh, was added to the Bears' staff as quarterbacks coach. And um, there's, there's a, a number of interesting wrinkles to this. Uh, one, of course, that they hired Bill Lazor earlier this week as the offensive coordinator. And they also 
have a quarterbacks coach already in Dave Ragone, who is going to be promoted to passing game coordinator. And this is our first sort of tangible evidence that Nagy is shaking this up a little bit. Who's got what responsibilities? Who's exactly going to be doing what? I think we still need to sort of figure that out. I'm guessing they're still trying to figure all that out. But John D. Filippo became available earlier this week um, when he parted ways, fired. What are we call? What are we calling that accurately? I'm not sure with Jacksonville. Um, a mutual separation. I don't know. Like, it, I've seen it written both he, ways. If he was look, I. He got fired. Let's be honest, right? Like, they don't want him to return. You don't want to return. I, I, I get it. Okay. Well, okay, well he's just available. A, can I give you a con- counterpoint? Okay. We all know that there's back-channel communications all the time, and these guys are friends. What if the reason he left Jacksonville was because his Bears opportunity opened up? Well, it's my understanding he had all sorts of opportunities. He, he's been a man in demand since that whole Carson Wentz evolution, and they had this quarterback incubator, Tim, Frank Reich, Doug Peterson. They did all sorts of great things for Carson Wentz, and you know they became uh, sought after because of it. But I, I, I know what you're saying. I, I, look, if he had more success down there, maybe this is a, a mutual separation thing, but – uh, guys, I, I, I'll just say this: guys become available for different reasons at different points. But are we? Uh, don't we consider Gardner Minshew a success? I don't know. He did get benched by the end of it, then like re brought back off the bench. Well, uh, that was because Nick Foles came back. I mean, Nick yeah, Foles well, deserved to play. Well, here's the thing: if, if, well, if, if, if Gardner Minshew was such a success, you're not putting him on the bench for Nick Foles. With all due respect to that money, it's just. Uh, Look, Jacksonville's just a mess, and I can understand why John D. Filippo would want to get out of there. I'll just right. say that. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of a lame duck situation, it looks like, with Doug Marone. Um, but he is stepping back here to be quarterback's coach, which is another interesting thing. I mean, if he's got all these opportunities, we don't really necessarily know what those opportunities were, but the Eagles are in need of an OC, and that's where he was when he won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Now, let's let's just revisit everything a little bit here. So two years ago, John D. Filippo was sort of the people's choice to become the head coach of the Bears. Remember, uh, there were videos that he would do with the Eagles, breaking down film. They were all very, very impressive. D. Filippo is a very good and interesting talker. I have some sound I dug up from when I talked to him at the Super Bowl a couple years ago that we're going to play here in a moment. Um, and you, do you remember, John? I mean, the fans really seem to connect with this guy to the point where I got mostly positive responses yesterday when this news came out. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't see. I think maybe the, the one criticism is maybe you got too many cooks in the kitchen. That old yeah. cliche for, for Mitch Trubisky. But if you have a guy who is uh, has a successful history for developing quarterbacks, specifically in a similar scheme. Again, Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. This could only be beneficial if you're going to take one more swing at Mr. Trubisky with this thing. All right, let's uh, let's let's do this. I, I so a couple of years ago, he interviews with the Bears. Obviously, didn't get the job. They interviewed Nagy. I think the next day hired him. Uh, D. Filippo went on to, you know, a couple weeks later, was coaching in the Super Bowl with the Eagles. He was the Eagles quarterback's coach working with Carson Wentz, who was injured at that time, but had a pretty good season before he got hurt. Nick Foles 
comes in doing his thing. Of course, they end up winning that game shortly after that Super Bowl. Flip goes to Minnesota to become the Vikings offense coordinator. It was a promotion for him, but also he was out of contract with the Eagles at the time, which is part of why he was sort of such a big sidebar story um, as the Eagles were in the Super Bowl because kind of everyone expected Flip to leave. You also had Frank Reich leave for the, the Colts job. There was a whole bunch of stuff going on two years ago with all this at the Super Bowl. But uh, Super Bowl media night in Minnesota Flip was there. All the coaches are available to talk to. Found him and discussed uh, the Bears situation with him at that time. This was John D. Filippo pretty much two years ago on his interview with the head coaching job with the Chicago Bears. You really learned, and I thought he did a good job of explaining the plan that you know I wanted to run in terms of how to run a football team. Um, both, And it really makes you think how you want to run a team, both offensively, defensively, and in the kicking game. Um, all facets of it, the weight room, uh, sports science, nutrition. Uh, team travel, team discipline, you know, all those things that, you know, makes you really, really think about what do I believe in? What, 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 do I, what am I going to lean and hang my hat on? And uh, so it really makes you think about those things and put them on paper. And it's a great, ex- great exercise. It's a fantastic exercise. And this was what he had to say uh, about Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. Uh, he goes back with Maggie, Nagy, uh, which is part of the reason why he's getting this job now. Uh, but you could tell from what he had to say that uh, he obviously knew Nagy and was happy for him that he got the job. I'll tell you, they, they hired a great coach. They hired they hired a great coach, and I, I'm so happy for Matt. Um, you know, I thought Ryan Pace did an unbelievable job in the interview process. It was thorough. It was detailed. Um, he had done his research. Um, really knew a lot about me in my case because I was obviously interviewing knew a lot of background about me I could tell he had done a lot of research about me um, you know Mr. Thompson Mr. McCaskey those guys were, were great uh, I had a fantastic time meeting with them and uh, you know we really I thought I, I thought they did a, as good a job as I could do and um, but they hired the right guy they hired a great coach in Matt Nagy Johns I think both sides thought that that interview went well it was just obvious that Nagy was the guy they wanted from the start yeah, I said this on, on Twitter after the, the news kind of broke there that the Bears were, were extremely impressed with Flip. They, they, they liked a lot of his – well, he has a charismatic side to him, like stuff that you see Nagy have in front of the room. Like some of these head coaches, like nowadays, like they're the great exes and those guys, but you need to have other intangibles to be able to run the team now sometimes – like even Bill Belichick has a different type of charisma that I think strikes a chord with certain players in New England. They just have to have different things that go on to make things work. Um, but I think that stuck with the Bears and always stuck with the Bears that maybe if something came around like this, that they can make something work. That's why, to be honest, when the news came out Monday, I believe this was all Monday, that, that Flip was leaving Jacksonville. I my mind immediately went to the Bears job. At that point, we didn't know that Bill Lazor was getting hired, and uh, it just it seemed weird. It was, you know, the day before the Broncos suddenly fire Rich Scangarello, and you're like, oh well, that's weird. They must be doing something because just the timing of it didn't make sense. And then sure enough, Pat Shermer gets hired. You know, a few days or a few hours later, it seemed like. Um, so I wondered with the connection with both the interview with the Bears and Matt Nagy if, you know, Flip was going to end up being the Bears' OC. And then all of a sudden it comes out that Bill Lazor's the OC, 
And you're like, okay, well, this is the move they made. And now a couple of days later, it sort of makes sense that, that Flip is on staff with the Bears, um, but obviously in a different capacity. Yeah. So now you have basically four quarterbacks coaches at some point in their careers running the Bears offense. Uh, again, the, the too many cooks in the kitchen argument is valid, I think. But I, I'm not too concerned about it, to, to be honest with you right now. I think Laser's going to have a lot of responsibility with the run game. Dave Ragone obviously is going to be in charge of the passing game. And let's let's be honest, this is still Matt Nagy's offense. If anything, having those three guys allows him to do other things around the team that maybe he failed at, maybe learning different things about his teams that he needs to improve at. I just think this – I'm trying to look at this positively. I think you've seen an acceptance from Matt Nagy that – Things did not go right whatsoever, especially for my offense. We need changes. He's finding changes. He's finding guys with good resumes. He's finding guys that offer something not only to his quarterback but other facets of the offense. This is Matt Nagy accepting and f- trying to find answers that things did not go right for him whatsoever 2018 or 2019 offensively. You also have a lot of guys capable of calling plays. Um I would expect Nagy to still be that guy, but it is interesting that you know there's this many. You could really call them all offensive coordinators in a way. He didn't have that in Mark Alfrich. He yeah. really did not look. Mark Alfrich called plays at Oregon, but that's at the college level. That was with a loaded Oregon team, and things kind of flamed out for him. This is significantly different. Look, I know some people aren't excited about Bill Lazor. I understand that. And I know some people have questions about bringing Flip in. I understand that, especially promoting Dave Ragone. I understand there are questions about that. But in DeFilippo and Lazor, you have guys who have called plays at the NFL level for years. They have years of experience. Matt Nagy did not have that, have that at his disposal with Mark Alfred. He simply did not. Those are just the facts. Again, they have uh, just as much. Some of them, I mean, Laser has more experience calling plays than Nagy does at this yeah, point. Yeah, John DeFilippo does. Yeah, yeah, because he was the OC in Cleveland too. Yes, yeah. Now his OC, years. his OC stints have not been good. Um, but I, I, you know, I say this all the time. Just like I've said, you know, you could be a good head coach and not be a great play caller. You could be a good quarterbacks coach and not be a pl- good play caller. You could be a good quarterbacks coach and maybe eventually a good head coach and not be a p- great play caller. Um, only one person needs to be the play caller here. The rest of them just need to do a good job at whatever they're doing. And Flip does have a good reputation here as being a good quarterbacks coach. And you know that's the biggest reason, I think, why he's being brought in in that capacity. Now, how this all works with Mitch is going to be very interesting. So um, this is, again, from two years ago, but some comments from John Filippo on Matt Nagy and Mitchell Trubisky and how it might all work out. Matt's going to do a great job. I mean, Matt is a... Um very progressive offensive thinker in terms of we're very similar in that way and we're not afraid to think outside the box a little bit uh mitchell has been great in great hands um mitchell's gonna have you know uh a really good guy coaching him obviously coach helfrich is going to do a, a good job you know he's had some spread in his, in his background there at oregon uh so no th- th- he's fortunate to have those two guys you guys obviously had your quarterback did you spend any time looking at mitchell last year uh i did i mean i i 
Not a lot, because I knew Mitchell was going to go really, really high. I knew he was going to be a first-round quarterback. So I watched him. Uh, I graded him. But I did not divulge myself into the, the tape and the interview process and all that stuff like we did with Carson and with Jared Goff and, and with Paxton Lynch and those and those guys that were coming out you know that year. Did, did anything else stand out to you at all about Ryan Pace and the time you spent with him? Very smart, very bright, um, very even keeled in a good way, and uh, very prepared. It's interesting hearing the stuff kind of two years later with the benefit of hindsight, right? Yeah, yeah. So everybody wants to know how this affects Mitch Trubisky. And I don't think this is... I don't think this precludes them from doing anything else at quarterback. I'm of the other opinion. You have guys with extensive histories with a Nick Foles. You have a guy that's your new offensive coordinator who's coached and called plays for, for Andy Dalton. So we don't know who's going to be available. If you we, we talked about it on our athletic podcast. Can you really trade for Nick Foles? Can you really do it? Well, you know what? If you want to, you have guys in John Filippo. Bill Lazor, who have worked with the Nick Foles. You have mm-hmm. more information at your disposal. This is only going to be beneficial for your evaluation of Trubisky. When, I, I guarantee you Matt Nagy is going to have both of his new guys sit down and review everything of Mr. Trubisky, everything. I'm talking about practice film. I'm talking about game film. I'm talking about stuff from training camp, stats, advanced stats. Everything will be thoroughly gone through by John Filippo and Bill Lazor. The evaluations will be different. The, the approach to the offseason, the, the player acquisition period, will be different because of these guys. All right, well, good transition. Here's Flip on Nick Foles, who, of course, won a su- they won a Super Bowl together in Philadelphia. He's got tons of poise. He's got tons of confidence in himself. He's got a quiet confidence about himself where nothing faces Nick. Uh, he's going he's gonna to play really, really well on Sunday. And uh, he does a great job of seeing the field the last two weeks in terms of keeping his head and eyes down the field. He's done a fantastic job of moving his feet in the pocket, and we need to continue that on Sunday. Usually when we hear about head coaching candidates, it's just typically it tends to be coordinators or previous head coaches. That's how flattering was it to get the attention that you got this year? It was very flattering. I'll tell you what else is flattering is being interviewed by WGN because I grew up at WGN <laughs> watching the Cubs wherever I lived. Okay, so this is actually in Harry Carey and all those guys. So this is – but no – in all fairness, it, it, was, it was it was great. I mean, it was very. I'd been a coordinator before, so that it wasn't like I hadn't called plays in the NFL before. So, but you know, obviously, when your work is recognized and, and people think that you've done a good job, obviously, it's a that's a, that's a positive thing because that means obviously our football team's winning games. I had to leave the WGM part. Oh yeah, somebody feels good about themselves. Yeah. My, my but, but he's a Cubs part, fan, though. He's a Cubs fan. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Well, you know, people who are Sox fans, I just don't understand sometimes, Mister Hogue. But easy, easy. Yeah, I mean, uh, sorry, sorry. We like winning multiple championships in the near future. Oh, yeah. We'll we'll, we'll have some hindsight that get through in a few years. I, I guarantee it. Um, the the favorite, my favorite part of that clip you just shared. Yes, that, that's Jeff Joniak's laugh. I, that is, I, yep. I know that laugh extremely well. Yeah, he, he was with you there. That that's hilarious. Well, if it's a Hogue interview at the Super Bowl, jo- Jeff Joniak can't be far behind. Ooh. <laughs> that's kind of an inside joke i know it is there's a great there's a and he knows it too there's a great photo last year of 
me sitting at Radio Row with Joniak on his phone as I'm interviewing Trey Burton. <laughs> He's just sitting there. Uh, I love Joniak. Uh, but yes, that is uh, actually, t- t- in all in all fairness, we actually had that conversation um, together with John D. Filippo a couple years ago. So that's why Joniak's laughter is in there. Um, and it's uh, you know, a great way to start a relationship. You compliment WGN like that. I don't know about the Cubs part of it. Right, Joe? But we'll take it. I mean, we'll we'll take it here. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, I have a question for you guys. What, um, what has Regon done to, um, to, to, to put himself in position to, like, be a guy that not only stayed on the staff, but got, got a bump, it feels like? Right. Promoted, despite what's been going on with Mitchell Trubisky. Johns? Oh, it's my understanding that they're, that they like the way, like, conceptually, he's a, a good play play designer and and i'm trying to couch these comments because of how like the bears offense wasn't very good in 2019 right like there was a lot of missed throws like even if they called the like a great play the quarterback didn't complete the play right and and throws were air mailed but i don't think the bears while yes they want to see the on the field production i'm trying to couch these guys as best i can yes they <laughs> want to see all that stuff but like I still think they saw value in the, the design in themselves, right? I mean, that's why he got promoted. He's the passing game coordinator. His job is going to be to design plays, come up with play calls, come up with you know certain plays in certain situations for Matt Nagy to call. That's a promotion. That's a big one. And, again, going to couch it. Trubisky was not good in 2019. I understand that. But I think some of the plays that were built that even Trubisky missed – Matt Nagy liked and appreciated from Dave Ragone. Does that oh, make sense? Look, yeah, it, it does. What, you, what? No, it does make sense. Um, because look, it, it's like any any business. You know, you could have good employees even if the success isn't there, right? And the people that are in charge and leadership can still, you know, promote someone. Um, you know, I'm not saying this is the case, but look it. it if if Mark Halfrich was a problem and the guy under him they thought could do a better job, then you get rid of one guy and you promote the next. I'm not saying that that's exactly the case, but I'm saying like that's how it works in any job anywhere, right? Um, you know, you make changes on your staff or and and you try to find the right combination. And it's not just th- this would look. It was always going to be a tough sell, right, Johns? If the if all that had happened here was like Ragone got promoted, right? If 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 the answer after all this was just that Dave Ragone got promoted to offensive coordinator, that would have been a tough sell. But the fact that they brought in Bill Lazor, then they promote Dave Ragone, and now they bring in an established quarterbacks coach that's got a good rep in that position in the NFL with the Super Bowl ring. This is this is an easier sell. With I do think the one exception, like you fairly brought up earlier. A lot of cook, cooks in the kitchen, but like you were saying also earlier, what if Dave, what if John DeFilippo is actually the better quarterbacks coach, and Dave Ragone specialty is actually designing certain plays? What if Very that's possible. what he's yeah. good at, and you're putting him in a position to maximize his talents? Whereas maybe, look, the the relationship that he had with Trubisky obviously was a selling point a couple of years ago. That's why he's the only holdover offensively from the John Fox era. But maybe if you, you, you've reached a plateau there, 
let's be honest, maybe his messages aren't getting through. And this is part of Nagy accepting that and finding someone who has a track record of getting to his quarterbacks in different ways. So, look, I, I'm all for trying to find answers. We don't know if it's going to work. It could fail miserably. But at least they're trying something. They're not driving a square peg into a round hole continuously. They're trying to do different things here offensively. And I'm not trying to create drama where there isn't. I'm just wondering, you know, is is Rags a um, a, a Trubisky guy, a, a Nagy guy, a Pace guy, all three? Like, they're everybody's well liked, or is this somebody that is there? Is there one person between those three that really is pushing for uh, Ragone to keep his job? I think Ragone has always been very well thought of. I, well, look, I think it, that, sorry to interrupt. I just think it, it says a lot about the guy that Nagy's Nagy wants to promote him. He, he's not a Nagy guy. He was on staff with John Fox. It, Nagy came in and kept him. And two years later, despite all the struggles, he thinks it's best to promote him. So it's I, that's either a move that's going to sound really stupid in the end or or brilliant. Yeah, again, we'll have the benefit of hindsight in a yeah. few years now. But yeah. right now, look, I can you cannot. It's easy to be angry at the Bears right now. I, I understand that, but you cannot fault them for trying to find answers. And look, since they weren't going to have widespread changes, a, a total house cleaning like some people wanted, that was never on the table for the Bears. They're going to try to fix it with the guys they have. And this is Matt Nagy, in my opinion, trying to f- accept blame and trying to find answers for his offense. Joe, uh, I'm going to let you kind of be the voice of the fan here. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. We spent Tuesday's episode on The Athletic, which I encourage you to go back and listen to. If you if you haven't, um, you know, go subscribe at The Athletic. We should tell you again, it's theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. You get a big discount to go subscribe if you're not already subscribing. But we went into the details of how you could potentially trade for a Nick Foles this offseason and how that might work and why it's quite frankly difficult, both in terms of the assets the Bears have with salary cap and draft picks um, and the such. That being said, let's forget all that right now, the obstacles. If I were to ask you, Joe, Bears fan, the quarterback room in a couple months looks like this. Mitchell Trubisky, Nick Foles, and I don't know, add in a and maybe keep Tyler Bray around or something, or bring in a, you know, a different third string. No, six-round pick. See you, Tyler Bray. There you go. I like that better. You're right. <laughs> then you use a six-round pick on a on a quarterback or something. How do you feel about that? I, I feel better than I did you know, with Chase Daniel. I think that you need to bring in somebody that is actually competing for the job rather than you know, here's a backup that knows the offense. That's basically a a another QB coach in the room that can still you know sling it a little bit on the field. I think that it's it's very important to make Trubisky earn the job rather than just have him be the guy. And you have a heck of a you know you have a proven backup then. Yeah, you have a Super Bowl winning proven backup who, who knows that role, who's who's comfortable in both roles. Who would I would assume if if he's getting traded here that he's still making some good coins so that that wouldn't be a problem. Well, we looked at it the other day. I mean, his contract comes out to like fifteen, maybe it's sixteen with the uh, bonuses thrown in there. It sounds like a lot for a backup quarterback, but wasn't Chase Daniel making ten, Johns? 
Yeah, and, and come on, they signed Mike Glennon to a deal that paid him like eighteen and a half over yeah. the first two years. Oh, and like sixteen in the first year. The Bears could stomach that. I still think they, if they're going to trade him, you, you put the pressure on the Jaguars to eat a little bit more of that salary, kind of like how the Titans did with the Dolphins. Like, if you really want to get rid of this guy, we'll take him, but you need to take more of this money. Maybe that's a possibility. Maybe it's not, but it's on the Bears to put a little bit more pressure on the Jaguars to try to make that happen. Uh, all right. Well, that will all continue to be very, very interesting um, going forward. But you know, the, the Bears are are everyone's got everyone's got issues with everything right now. I get it. People are angry. They went eight and eight, but they're trying, man. I mean, I don't. I don't. I didn't really understand the complaining about the firing of the assistants. Like they aren't gonna. Nagy's not firing himself. You don't want him to keep status quo, do you? I mean. The offense has been bad. You need to do something, and they've brought in some proven guys here to uh, to fix it. Now the question is, what's the personnel going to look like when it's all said and done? And we're going to need a few more months to figure that one out um, before training camp starts at Hell's Hall, not in Bourbonnais. So Your commute next- just got a lot better. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned early in the podcast, you know, selfishly, you know, your selfish reasons for being sad about Bourbonnet selfishly. I'm not completely sad because I uh, will enjoy being closer to home and not being away from my family from for three weeks. Like, like we all will, but, um, wait, you're not getting a hotel room anyways. I should, shouldn't I? Hey, hon, leaving, going to training camp. Be yeah. back in three weeks. <laughs> Where are you staying? The residence in down the street. <laughs> yeah. Just the uh, hotel right across the street. It's not weird at all. Um, that is an interesting question if the Bears will still put the players in hotels during training. Camp. Yeah, yeah. Someone asked me uh, on Twitter whether or not Hallis Hall is equipped to house players, and the answer is absolutely not. Right. They're going to stay at their homes or they're going to stay at their, their uh, at the hotels. I would think maybe they do a little hotel stuff to, to do some of that team bonding, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, But maybe they give exceptions to the veterans. Like, are you going to make Khalil Mack, you know, not – Go to like a residence inn when he has his mansion in Glencoe. Like, where, where, where's the line? And I, it's just a different dynamic. And I get what people are going to say: if, if they win the Super Bowl, who cares? And I understand that. I, I, I really do. But right now, we don't know if we're going to win the Super Bowl, do we? <laughs> you know, yeah. odds are they got a lot of things to improve on before we could talk about that. I'm just talking about the fan team relationship that was strained this year, and now you're removing. As expected, I should say, the the training camp portion that they could attend freely uh, and moving it to a place that is not open. They don't have stands at, at Hell's Hall, Adam. Um, I'm trying to think of other things they don't have. You know, they, they got that big parking lot. They have all sorts of stuff. But this is not like Hell's Hall. We've been to places in New England. We've been to places in Denver uh, where fans are allowed to come to the team facility and watch practices. But in Denver, they had like this big hill and like a yeah. fan spectator area. In New England, they had stands that went around one entire field. The Bears do not have that. Maybe they could build it. They got the land to do it. But right now, they don't have that up at Hallis Hall and Lake Forest. Yeah, well, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt here to, to, to um, you know, figure out some more information here and what kind of changes they are going to make. There is there is land to work with. I don't know how much of the land you can actually work with because some of it's kind of swampy or marshy as we broke down in our 
break our our recap episode of the season with the kickers kicking the ball into the marsh. Um, but there's some things to do. You know, I think there's there's even a little bit more land to add more parking if they need to. So yeah. It, Look, I, I get it, um, and, and I agree with you. The timing here it is kind of sucks um, because you know this would have been a much easier thing to swallow had the Bears uh, had a game made the playoffs. Uh, yes, yeah. uh, you know if they're playing the Packers or the 49ers in the NFC Championship this weekend. Uh, so, it, but I also think, look, the amount of fans that actually did come to Bourbonnais still a very small portion of the entire fan base. Um and well, come on! You're still talking about ten thousand fans some days, man. And I want to drive home the point: like this, for some fans who can't afford going to games, because let's face it, games are extremely expensive now. Doesn't matter what sport, the prices at some of these games are outrageous, right? Like if you can't afford yeah. that, going to Bourbonnais became a cost-effective way to bring your six-year-old kid and be like, "Hey, look." That big guy's Akeem Hicks. Let's try to get his autograph. Like that personal, intimate connection with fans is changed. It's it's going to and I get it, like there's other ways to do it. I've heard rumblings about more practices at, at high school stuff. You know, I've heard those rumblings for a couple of years now, but you know, let, let's face it, fans come from different situations. Fans, some of them love going down to Bourbonnet and making a thing out of it, and it's different now. Yeah, it's definitely different. There's there's no doubt about it. And that's that's certainly the negative uh side of this. Um there will be room for some fans at House Hall, but uh, it's hard to believe that it could potentially be even close to uh the same. It's just not there's not the big grounds to host that many people. Um we're not just talking about seats to watch practice, but think about all the area in Bourbonnais uh where you can just roam around and, you know, um bathrooms, facilities, all this different stuff. It, there's a lot that goes into it and it's just not going to be the same type of deal. Um, that being said though, you know, for the football operations standpoint of this, it's not surprising at all. They sunk all this money into the facilities. They can't move all that stuff down to Bourbonnet for three weeks. I, it, there's also the issue of privacy and secrecy and not practicing out in the public um, that I'm, I'm sure appeals t- to uh, members of this organization now. So it's just, unfortunately, it's it's part of the reality of the NFL these days. And I, from that side of it, I actually completely understand why they're making this move. Well, absolutely, I, I get all that. And just win now. That's it. That's it. Yeah. It's all yeah, comes down win. to you. It, it, it'll, it'll solve everything. Fans are upset right now, uh, and they're going to be because of your eight and eight season after having high hopes. Just win. That's it. It'll solve everything that is problem. That is a problem for you right now. Well, I actually quoted a tweet from our friend uh, Jack M. Silverstein at Reed Jack, who we've had on the podcast before, um, because he had a, he just summed it up kind of perfectly on Tuesday, which is, I don't care where they hold training camp, win a damn Super Bowl. That's ultimately yeah. what matters. And the Bears believe the Bears believe that this is you know it might not be a huge thing, but it's gonna be part of the. It's gonna help them win a Super Bowl. I just That's, don't think it's that black and white for, for some fans. Look, I, okay, so winning a Super Bowl changes a, a, a lot of things, but, I mean, you've seen teams like, like the Blackhawks have done so many things to re-engage fans over, over the years, right? Like, 
it, it's part of it, you know, and you, you can't keep putting up barriers between you and your, your fans. Sometimes, sometimes it's cost. Sometimes it's moving locations of training camp. Sometimes it's limiting the functions you have that fans can attend. It's just uh, the, the harsh realities of professional sports now, I think. Uh, well, there's definitely, yeah. I mean, look, it, uh, there's definitely a couple sides to this and they're both uh, completely fair. Um, to your point to what you brought up earlier in the podcast, though, when we got going, uh, personally, from a personal standpoint, um, my sentiments with training camp were always pretty consistent over the last nine years. I really, really, really liked it for about a week. And then I was ready to be back home uh, and, you know, enjoy that shorter commute to House Hall, be back home with, with family and um, the things... The things that, but but it's it's and I compare in what I wrote today. It's kind of I compare this to a player when they're always asked, you know, what are you going to miss about playing when they retire? They're like, well, I'm going to miss the camaraderie with the guys. That's that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. to to me, like yeah. that, I will genuinely miss. I mean, we spend so much time together for six months, but those those nights in Bourbon are really our time to to you know go out to dinner and and not be working you know, when we're around each other and, uh, and, and get into all sorts of shenanigans uh, that I also referenced in, in my column. And you and Kevin went through over some of those stories too in, in the piece you guys wrote on The Athletic. So, you know, that stuff I'm going to genuinely miss. Yeah, we had fun. Lots of fun. Um, sometimes we got in trouble. By the Bears, sometimes. Do <laughs> you still remember getting that warning about it's moving the, the, com- the common area furniture? I'm just like, that John Fox kicked us off campus, and that was no fun anymore, you know? Yeah. By the way, the, to be the, clear, the, I don't believe those are related. No, the, the, John Fox they didn't. Not, ca- first of all, they were different years. Um, yes, yes. The, 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 the warning came actually through the school, through the Bears, or from the yeah. school through the Bears. Uh, that that came during the Tressman era, which we had was, a blast. Yeah, those well, couple of years there. That was my favorite then, Mike Mike Corbo email ever. Yeah, uh, Mike Corbo is their f- uh, uh, former uh, uh, media relations uh, coordinator. And then, yeah, Fox kicked us off. Uh, I still remember that. You know, training camp really started to change for me. Yeah. Uh, then access change, your stories change, your coverage change. You know, it started with Fox. He started to put up barriers uh, almost right away, especially for people who had been covering the team really since Platteville. You know what mm-hmm. I'm talking about? Like, and that seemed very different and shocking, like real shock to the core to what traditions were uh, for covering the team. But, yeah, man, sake shots, sprayed in the mouth. Going to miss that. Uh, you know, we, we just had a blast. Yeah, there's a photo I don't really want to go public. Um, oh, that was being that was being shared a while. So, like, so we would go to this Japanese steakhouse. We should clarify the story. Yes, we go to the, like it, it became like uh, uh, kind of odd to say that, but the Japanese steakhouse in Bourbonnais became. Well, we, uh, we just call it the hibachi place. The hibachi place. Yes, yes. I, I can't believe the, you actually uh, referenced when you wrote you wrote the name of the place in your column. I didn't yeah. even remember the name of it. Like when you wrote that, I was like, <laughs> "Wait, oh yeah," because I just called the hibachi yeah. place. We used to call it, let's go get Bourbon Hibachi, which was fantastic. It's in the mall there, uh, right by the all, all the hotels. And it's actually really good. We, yeah, we, we, we would have a blast, and the, the chefs would, would take their sake, and, you know, and it became a thing. That's what became a thing, you know. Um, Pat Finley w- would take the most in the mouth. <laughs> and, you know, 
You know, but but that that happened. There's pictures, there's videos of that actually happening. So yes, maybe we'll share those one day. <laughs> and uh, meanwhile, Joe, we need to pull what John's just said. Yep, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's a good one. <laughs> Uh, uh, that's good. Uh, where, that's where's good. our friend Patrick Finley? Uh, but that, like, that's the type of stuff too. Like, you, you, look, you know, players started to bitch and moan about making the drive down there, but they had moments like that, right? You know, you talk to some of these old guys, like on the '63 team, they didn't like going to Rensselaer, Indiana, but you know what? They liked hanging around with the guys. You know, yes. they liked you yeah. know forming stories. They like being with the boys. That stuff is going to be different now. You know, like. What are you gonna do? Y'all gonna get Shake Shack up in you know Lake Forest now? There in Vernon Hills after practice, like the dynamics of a lot of stuff that 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 team bonding is going to change. And I get it, you win, you win, but that element needs to you, you need different ways to do it now. I think. Yeah, and by the way, yes, absolutely, I'm gonna go to Shake Shack after practice. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Oh man, we just both need a cheeseburger. Yeah, I've never been there. Well, it will make well come up. I know it's like Vernon, Vernon Hills. We might as well be in Wisconsin up here, but um, I get it, Joe. But you cut, make your way up during training camp. It'll For be sure. great. It'll be great. Um, all right. Well, um, you, you can. We both wrote about it, so you can read more there. And um, but there's a plenty of good memories. There's also you know some good sides of this, and it is significant news. 18 years in Bourbon and training, and you go back to Platteville. I mean, training camp. It's a uh, it's you know spring training in a sense. It's uh, there was a very nostalgic thing to it uh, that, that that kicks off the the football season. I'm sure new traditions will be made uh, here, but it's just it is different when it's at House Hall uh, compared to um, you know what what it has been over the years. It's definitely going to be different, and that's just the way it is, I guess. Well, this is how new traditions are formed. You know, leaving Platteville and going to Bourbon A was a thing. Yep. Leaving Rensselaer and going to Platteville was a thing, so um, we'll see what the future holds. You know, next for the Bears, maybe this is what they need. You know, this this is it. Maybe this is it. I could but, be wrong. Yeah, yeah. But to your point, I I do agree. I mean, they need to. It can't just be oh, we're gonna let some fans in. It needs to be a thing. You know, it needs to be. Yeah. Uh, something that's actually enjoyable for the fans to do. Yeah, they've always hassle. left fans. They've always left fans in. Man, we've seen high school teams out there. We've seen military members out there. We've seen first responders out there. We've seen Special Olympics people out there. Like it's, it, it's always been going on. You know. And by the and by the now, way, it's just gonna I, be I, more. I do want to stress. I still believe that's very important to the McCaskies. You know, there's a little bit of a conflict here between. You know the 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 organizational view of what's best for the fans and the football operation sides of what's best for winning games, right? I mean, is that fair to say? And I yeah. and I do want to stress that you know the the ownership of the Chicago Bears, I still believe, really really wants to provide those opportunities for fans. And I can tell you for sure they have mixed feelings about leaving Bourbonnais. Yes, yes. It, it, look, we, we saw George McCaskey one time. You were there, right? Where like this elderly fan passed out, and he stayed there till the the paramedics arrived to, to take him off. Those intimate interactions, and, and, and George has said it no, a number of times about how he liked the fan experience for the, the the people, the intimate team experience for the people. And you know, look, I, I, I'll, I'll trust George on this. 
he'll be able to connect or, or find an answer to, to make this work. You know what I mean? Like, I almost have faith in him knowing how much he, he strongly believes about the that fan experience at Bourbon Like, I, I feel like he'll be very inventive. I think he may be even a bit of, maybe over-inventive in, in trying to find answers and solutions to making this work for them. Yeah. For I the agree. fans, I should say. Yeah, and that's why I wanted to point that out. Like, I'm not um, – I just I want to give the Bears a chance and at least go through one year of seeing what this looks like. And I'm sure whatever happens in year one, they'll find ways to improve on it over the years. Um, but it, it it is a big story, and I do understand why there's mixed feelings from everybody involved, from the team to the players to to us, the reporters, and most importantly, the fans. So um, we'll we'll have to wait and see. But um, big news, and not surprised by it at all. Um, also, big news. Uh, yesterday that we should talk about real quick, and then I want to jump into this weekend's games as we will pick them. But Jimbo Covert and Ed Sprinkle elected to the Hall of Fame. Bears now up to 30 Hall of Famers. Both of these guys going in with this uh, centennial class, a special committee and a special class uh, to go back since it's the NFL's 100 season. And as they kind of put it themselves, the Hall of Fame, find the guys that fell through the cracks and rectify those situations and uh it, you know look i'm not going to pretend to uh, have watched a, a ton of tape on ed sprinkle um but if you go back and read about him everyone talks about he was like the meanest player in the league and um, <laughs> it definitely should be in the hall of fame jimbo covert obviously a little bit uh that a lot of it uh, more familiar with and I uh, had a chance to talk to him last year at the super bowl too and just what a what an outstanding individual um, and everybody just raves about how good of a left tackle he was, and should everyone says he should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's like some overdue recognition for that offensive line. People yes. always talk about well Walter Payton. Everybody brings up Jim McMahon. Everybody brings up that defense and how loaded they were. But that offensive line, I mean, they were together for like seven or eight years. Yep. And this absolute maulers, absolute, like from Jay Hilgenberg, who should be in the Hall of Fame as well, Tom Thayer, Mark Bortz, Jimbo Curvin, Keith Van Horn. I mean, those guys were an exceptional group that stayed together for a long time. I don't know if they'll see anything like that here again in Chicago, but they, they were good. They, I, they were. It, it's unfortunate that they're overlooked because I, I don't think the Bears do it without them. They were just so – like Walter Payton, you know, be, like I know he was Walter Payton, but like you know, these were the guys that helped him become you know the, the superstar, especially later in the career that he was. And, and it says a lot that so many Bears fans can do what you just did and name off an entire offensive line so easily, just like that. Yeah, you know, from yeah. And, plus and, years and, ago, and, and, and you and I were were like when those guys were playing, we were I was a toddler. We're, yeah. we're showing our age right now, but we still know about these guys, right? I was, you know, I like, was, that's just, I, I was dead. Yeah, <laughs> I think the, the proper way to put that is you weren't alive yet. <laughs> I was dead before I was alive. Yes, yeah, so you, you you weren't um, in existence. You didn't exist yet. <laughs> that's, that's the proper way to put it. Instead, I was dead. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, actually, you're right. Dead would dead is actually inaccurate because I was uh, I I was uh, it, you know uh, had already been conceived. I was I was an actual thing. And just wasn't yes, born yes. yet. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Right. We'll just leave that. But, we'll just leave it there. But overdue. I, look, I, everybody always gets up in arms about 
Hall of Fames and Hall of Fame votings. I, I think the NFL does it the right way. Uh, I, I really do. I love that there is a thorough, extensive debate, and these guys got to be presented. You're just not mailing in ballots to people who haven't covered the game in a long time. The people who are voting have a vested interest in this. They care. I, and I, I'm saying that with absolute certainty. The guys that are voting care, and they care a lot. They take time to do this. They will deliberate on their votes, and you know they, they keep the classes small. Uh, for a reason, and that's why you have guys like Jimbo Covert who slipped through the cracks and Jay Hilgenberg who slipped through the cracks year after year after year because every year they they are so deliberate in picking the best guys of that year, and it changes every year, right, because you get new guys added to it every single year to consider. But that's – I like the process. I haven't always admired their process, and I I, I think fans, if you learn more about their process, really appreciate how the NFL does pick their Hall of Fame. Well, another Hall of Famer is Dan Hampton. He's our guy at WGN Radio, and he was on WGN discussing his former teammate Jimbo Covert getting into the Hall of Fame. Nobody was better at their craft than Jimbo Covert. And so finally, uh, it is fantastic that he does gain the notoriety and honor of being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So there's what Hamp had to say about his teammate and friend uh, yeah. getting into the Hall I mean, You've had a number of those guys in the 85 team late a bit, though. You know, like, yeah. of course, Walter is a lock. Like, Denton waited a long time. Hampton wasn't an immediate, you know, first ballot guy. He had to wait a bit. And now you have Jimbo Covert. You know, it's sometimes it takes time, especially when you have a lot of guys coming from these absolutely loaded teams of superstars, which what the, the mid-80s Bears were. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, we should get to these games. There's only two to pick. It's championship weekend, AFC and NFC championship games. It's all getting going on Sunday. Um, And kind of interesting. Two games and two spreads that are at least seven points. So, I mean, for championship games, that's kind of significant. Not necessarily expecting uh, ultra-close games, but that doesn't mean they won't be. We'll start with the AFC Championship game, 205 Sunday on CBS. The Chiefs are a seven-point favorite over the uh, Cinderella Tennessee Titans. Part of me feels, part of me want, want, wants to pick the Titans. I, I, I really do. I don't know why. They, they just seem to be doing uh, something magical. Um, I know sometimes magic runs end, and the, the Chiefs are absolutely dominant, or they looked absolutely dominant coming back from that twenty-four nothing hole against the the Texans. Um, I'll do this. I think the Chiefs win, but it's not a blow. I, I think the Titans, with Derrick Henry and the, the Mike Vrabel's defense, will find a way to keep this close. I got the Titans covered. All right. So here's what advice I'm going to give fans: Do not miss the first quarter. This Titans team is built to pull off an upset if they get out to a lead because with that running game with Derrick Henry, they, as they've shown uh, here, and especially against the Ravens last week, they they can milk the clock away. Uh, and even against the Patriots the week before, that score was the same at halftime as it was at the end of the game. They can do that. Well, until the, the uh, pick six at the end. Um, but... That's the key to me in this game. How do the Titans come out early? If the Titans... uh, I'll I'll put it this way. The Titans would not have given up the lead that the Texans did last week in Kansas City. So the Chiefs, hopefully for their sake, 
learn their lesson. They have to come out and play well in the first quarter or they could be in real trouble, unlike last week. All that being said, the Titans have been a great story. I think the Chiefs at this point know that. As good as Ryan Tannehill has been, Patrick Mahomes is the better quarterback. They were so close last year. They should have been in the Super Bowl if not for that offsides penalty. Um, so I think the Chiefs, especially going through what they went through last week um, against the Texans and that awful start, they'll come out much more focused. They'll get the lead eventually. Um, I also don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I do think they're just too good and they pull away, probably win by like 10 points. Joe? Yeah, the Titans clearly have a roster that can hang with the big boys. You know, to to go to New England, even though New England isn't the team that they, you know, isn't the dynasty team, and then to go into Baltimore, the number one seed in the entire league, and to win both of those games outright is pretty impressive. Um, I think that this is a different situation, though. You know, you look at the the game last week with Baltimore; they got away from the run way too early, and. Patrick Mahomes has a ton of weapons. Watch out for uh, Sammy Watkins. I think he's, you know, uh, John's actually talked about uh, Hardman and Robinson and the other guys, not Tyreek Hill and Kelsey. But I think um, Watkins is set up for a big game this weekend. I think the Chiefs uh, win and cover the spread. Yeah. You know, one, one final note on this game is, like, the Ravens are so explosive. One of the best offenses in the league. But, like, stopping them means stopping things on the ground, right? Like a lot of stuff, they're, they're so powerful. That's how the Ravens were. And I, and I think the Titans had the power to match it. The Chiefs are different. They attack you with speed and a different type of aggression. I, I know I'm picking the Titans to cover, but the challenge is considerably different, I think, going from the Chiefs uh, or from the Ravens to the Chiefs, at least schematically for, for the Titans' defense. Yeah. Um Absolutely. I think that's a fair point. We'll keep it moving. Oh, and Lafleur, best bring your bib, because it's going to get messy. <laughs> Matt Lafleur and the Green Bay Packers headed back to Santa Clara to face the 49ers, where they just got smoked earlier this season. Uh, that was by far the Packers' worst game of the year. Vegas line kind of reflects that. Seven and a half point favorites San Francisco in this game. 540 Sunday on Fox. Um, it's hard to pick against Aaron Rodgers, I feel, after what he did to, to close out last week's game. Am I right? Like, like he, yep. he, People have been questioning him, I, I feel like, for this year, well, and especially last year. But then, like, what were the, some of the advanced stats? Like, he was 10 for 10 and throws over 10 yards. And when you needed big third downs to to steal the game last week, like he made those throws. But the 49ers are just so good and so balanced. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I I think it's sort of um, the the same thing that the Titans can do to you. The 49ers is kind of the formula for winning. They They need to get out to a lead. And once they do, they can just smother you. They have a good running game. They have an outstanding defense. They have a pass rush that as good as Darius Smith has been on the other side. Um, the 49ers loaded up there. And and to me, that's that's the thing. I mean, as long as the 49ers get off to a good start here, they're, they're probably going to be in control of this game. I do not expect it to be a blowout like it was earlier this season. And I also think that what you just brought up with Aaron Rodgers, his ability um, to make plays down the stretch. Look, he's just individually too good. And also this Packers defense is certainly not horrible. 
Um, I I just don't think it gets out of hand this time. The interesting the thing note the interesting note about that 49ers blowout earlier this year is they were missing like three or four key players too. That's what made it that much more impressive. On top of it, but I think Aaron Rodgers comes through with a backdoor cover here. I'm taking the Packers. All right, I'll go with you. I, I I can't see I can't see the 49ers letting Rodgers get completely out of control. Is is just just even with everything I just said, but. Okay, this is going to be a close game, but I think Jimmy G has some magic. I think they find the answers. George Kittle does George Kittle-like things, and they win this and move on to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think the 49ers get after the Packers, get after Aaron Rodgers uh, in a big way. I mean, I'm sure you guys watched it last week. They did not have a lot of answers, the Vikings, that is, offensively. They couldn't play action. They couldn't run the ball. Um, when you can get after the quarterback with just your front four and and drop eight into coverage or uh, drop seven into coverage, you're really putting yourself in a good position. Now, granted, the 49ers don't have a ton of experience at the quarterback position in this situation, but it's... Um, it, it's it's one of those good inexperience where this guy like learned under the best. He learned from Tommy. He learned from Bill Belichick. Um, I, I have supreme confidence that the 49ers will win this game and cover. So I will uh, take the Niners and lock it up, baby. Lock it up. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. I'll lock the Chiefs. I'll lock the Titans. Ooh. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Dueling all right, we got locks. the lo- dueling. We all locked. Yeah, we did. We lock and we locked up different teams. I like it. We'll see how it all turns out. <laughs> uh, the pro- yeah, I don't. We can't all be wrong. Then I don't think. Yeah, well, that puts us in a good position where somebody cannot tweet at us saying that you guys are dumb. Somebody. Well, we are. That they still can do that, oh, Joe. Uh, <laughs> different different reasons, but right, uh, right. yeah. Uh, all right. What else? Go ahead. I'm listening. I think that's about it, Matt. Time to get out of here. Any final thoughts, Johnsy? No, no. I, I think I would like to, to see a, a Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl. Me too. Should be fun. I think that's the best matchup. Yes. That'd be best fun teams. Watch. Best teams all year. I'm, I'm with you. Oh, uh, well, it, that's favorite. But Patrick Mahomes, he's something else. Kind of an old school feel to that Super Bowl. I like it. I like it. Yeah. All righty. We're out of here. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Read us, WGNRadio.com slash Bears, The Athletic, TheAthletic.com, The Athletic app. If you're not subscribed, you should be TheAthletic.com slash Hogan Johns, 40% off. You can get it there. Come join us. And read everything that Adam Johns and Kevin Fishbane have to write. Our bonus podcasts every week. We're keeping that going. So you should be there with us. And we appreciate all those who have subscribed. And we appreciate those of you that listen every single week right here. That's going to do it for us. Enjoy the games on Sunday. I'm sure we'll be back next week with more news on the Bears. See ya. The good thing is, after three straight, usually kickers like to go right from the net to the field. He's been standing out here for a good five minutes. So. There's another one. There's another good uh, yep. observation. See, I'm, I'm glad Hoag's not here today. Yeah, We're he getting all this good this. stuff from Jeff. We didn't know any of this stuff. He's having tea and crumpets. <laughs>